Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Recording in progress. This meeting is being recorded. Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold on the Barroom Network. I'm Salim Sutterwala, and as always, I'm joined by Edward Chula Jr. Edward, how are you doing today? It's been like a month, I think, since we've last recorded. Yeah. Uh, since I've heard your beautiful voice. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a we had a little off season, a little kind of like dry period in basketball where. You know, dropping dimes, uh, twenty or whatever his name is, he isn't dropping news for us anymore. So we, you know, things kind of dried up, but uh, everything is good with me. Um, we are getting closer to media day. We're getting closer to training camp and preseason and all that good stuff. So it feels like sports, not even just basketball. It feels like sports is just coming back in general. So I'm ready. I'm ready to to see everything. I'm ready to to get with it. So I'm doing well. How about you, man? I'm good. I'm good. I know, like, obviously, there's there's not a lot of big things to talk about. There's like, yeah. been little things like people disrespecting Demar again. Zach is for some reason being listed as like one <laughs> in the 80s or something like that, as far as the top 100 players. Uh, little <laughs> things good. here and there. Obviously, the Bulls brought filled out the rest of the roster with uh, Terry Taylor. Right. Um. Little minor little moves and grievances and annoyances that have been happening amongst the Bulls uh, community and chatter, but <laughs> nothing major. And obviously, we all, we also had some stuff going on, so it was kind of like, you know, scheduling-wise, it's important to talk about these things. Yeah. There's other Bulls podcasts that, that are really covering <laughs> these things in, in detail, like our guys uh, in CHGO, Matt, yeah. Matt Dave, and uh, Will. Yeah, and they, they do that daily podcast, so they cover all these little... Uh, things uh for bulls nation so Uh, you know it's just one of those things where it's like do we need to get on the mic (laughs) look i i'm always down to drop some bars on zach levine and the disrespect that he gets on a regular basis man we we talked about it just we we talked about it so many times but it feels like zach levine when when news dries up he is the easiest target because it's like man who is a really good basketball player that we can talk about being just significantly overrated with no bases behind it hmm <laughs> he's just an easy guy to just talk about like never won a playoff series check like it's, it's just it's just easy stuff man just just target practice yeah <laughs> yeah you know it is what it is but like i said this you know season's creeping up like you said i should say the season's creeping up on us they, they dropped the schedule the league did you know there's a lot of uh Always, always interesting stuff with the Bulls. You know, we we wonder how many national TV games there will be 
Uh, if it's going to be a tough schedule to start the season, you know, how that's all going to play out. So we're going to talk about that. And then with Bulls Fest this uh, weekend or this past weekend, there was a lot of new quotes from uh, one G- RGM, uh, Mark Eversley. So we'll get our thoughts on that as well, get some of these quotes out there and uh, give our thoughts in there. And joining us today to cover these topics from the Rebuildable podcast, Matt Gentile and Drew Stevens. And Drew also covers the Bulls for It's the Big. So he's the big timer on the pod today. So we gotta, we're got we going to have to get a lot of insight from him about all the the, the inside knowledge that he's uh, you know gained over this past season. Uh, so, yeah, Drew and Matt, thanks for joining us, man. How are you guys doing? Doing good, man. Appreciate you guys having me. I don't know about the big time part, but uh <laughs> don't don't be humble. Don't be humble. <laughs> it's it's true. That like that that's the brains behind the operation right nah. there. Man, Drew's Drew's been making the rounds this offseason too. Like he, the the CHGO had him on, mm-hmm. uh cast considerations had him on. You know, he's 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 gotten a, you know made himself a, a name. He's doing his thing. Hey man, I'm just appreciative of the uh, consideration to, to even you know talk basketball with those guys and to be here today with you, man. This this it's um it's awesome. It's awesome, man. This this Bulls team has has taken us on quite the ride these last what two seasons. Um, so to be able to chop it up with guys like yourselves and other people around the Bulls community, it's kind of cathartic, man, or has been cathartic. Yeah, man, we gotta. We definitely gotta add you to the to the wall, man. You know how like you uh, when you go to the restaurants and they have those walls with like the the pictures of all like the celebrities that came in there. They're like, yeah, Drake, you know, ate the pancakes here, and you know, Big Sean was here eating the fried chicken and stuff like that. We gotta add you to to that wall here at Bulls Gold. Like we had you on this episode, man. So no, it's dope talking to both of you guys. We loved uh, when we got to do Re- rebuildable. Um, that was like a few months ago, right? Doesn't even feel that long ago, but that that was a lot yeah. of fun getting to do that. So wait, real quick, Drew gets the picture on the wall, but I'm just outside, <laughs> kind of eating from the trash <laughs> around the well, app. It could be the photo bomb in the back. I, yeah. yeah, or no, I'm, I'm actually just in the back, you know. Mm-hmm. We you put know, your picture up near like <laughs> we put your picture up next to like all the people who've like broken the food records in the restaurant. You know they have like the <laughs> the medals for like oh I ate like a yeah. hundred wings. Like you're right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I ate the big ninety sixer. Yes, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Uh, so yeah, let's get into. It. Let's start off with the schedule. Um, looking at it, obviously it's always interesting. Like I mentioned. Looking at the start of the season, the last, I feel like the last few years, it's felt like the Bulls have had a tough start to the season. Um, Right off the bat, I didn't feel this season was as tough. Obviously, like you're always playing teams and it's always hard to tell from before the season begins because there are sometimes teams that not that surprise you, but, you know, they're better than you expected they would be. But for me, when I'm looking at this, the start of the season, at least like November, right before December starts, it doesn't seem as tough. And it feels like, okay, the Bulls could really take advantage, you know, if they're trying to be in that playoff conversation um, and then really get that, you know, the way to not build chemistry because obviously they have the, again, the continuity uh, that we've all, were that we've all uh, grown to hate. But obviously they do have that continuity. So the chemistry is there, but obviously kind of building – uh, getting uh, Javon Carter and Tory Craig into the fold, it could help 
having a softer schedule. So for me, like I said, I, I feel like it's softer than it's been the past couple of years. Uh, how about you guys? Uh, we'll start with Drew. Uh, what are your thoughts on the start of the schedule that you've seen? Uh, pretty much in line with what you said. Um, it seems a little bit easier out of the gate. Again, you know, we don't know how certain things are going to shake out. There's always teams that surprise us, whether for the good or for the bad. But um, they definitely seem to have a, a pretty good runway to get some wins under their belts before things start to toughen up on them. Um, obviously, they've got the Thunder right out of the gate at home. Um, they also end up playing the Pacers, Pistons, Magic, Jazz, and and um, Mavericks. But only nine of their first 20 games are going to be against teams that made the playoffs last season. Compared to um, that next stretch of games where it kind of flips and it goes to December and they end up playing – you know, nine teams that made the playoffs last season. And that's not including the games that will be added with this in-season tournament, whether or not they advance or they end up just getting, you know, a home and away game against teams who also didn't advance, if that makes sense. But, you know, I think it's just going to be important for them to, to hit the ground running as best they can. I know that we all are going to be paying attention to um, – how this team kind of jails together with the new additions and doing that while also keeping an eye out for the trade deadline and how, you know, how they play, how that kind of impacts what the front office does or doesn't do. So um, it's not really potential like singular games that have kind of piqued my interest. It's more of these certain stretches of the schedule and how they may affect things moving forward. How about you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, kind of similar. Like, I had, when I first saw the schedule after it got released, I think my first reaction was, you know, hey, this is a lot like, kind of remind me of that beginning of the 2021-22 season, where you saw those opportunities to really load up early. Um, and Drew made a great point. You see a lot of teams that are on there that, you know, didn't, make the playoffs last year but man when you get into december like it looks like a freaking meat grinder you know you're you're going up against some of the heavy hitters in the east the sixers twice the knicks i think actually wait the knicks are in maybe in january but you get um you know miami a couple of times there milwaukee so it's it's a little tough like once you start to flip the calendar towards december but yeah, there's a prime opportunity to come out of the gate strong, which I think for a team like this, you need that. You know, you go back to last year, I think what the Bulls were over the 500 mark, I think after nine games and, and never crossed it again. So you have an opportunity to kind of get out ahead, you know, get a, a, a fattened record and then, you know, let the chips fall where they may. I know that's probably when I'm going to probably start looking through looking at things through a more critical eye. Um, when we start getting into December and into January, um, I had tweeted this out, actually, I think right when the schedule came out, or it was around the time the schedule came out. I think Darnell Mayberry asked, like, what do you, what's the game you're lo most looking forward to this season or part of the season you're most looking forward to? And I said the trade deadline, um, because I'm interested to see if the Chicago Bulls come out, you know, red hot, start the season, they're able to get through December, you know, even at a 500 record. Um, that's going to dictate 
you know, what this team I think does going forward, right? Like, is that where you start to use that, that DPE to start adding pieces? Um, so I'm definitely like intrigued. I think how these first, you know, couple months are going to play out as we start getting, um, closer to that trade deadline. So, um, yeah, that's like probably my initial reaction was, man, December, it looks like a pain in the ass, but before you get into your, uh, before you get into your thoughts, I just want to uh, bond some stats off what Drew and, and Matt have said. You know, you guys are not around that December is a t- tougher teams, but like, I feel like, you know, you got eight of those games at home. And I feel like that, that's what I mean. Like, you know, you're starting off, it's not like original, like from the last few years, I feel like it would be like eight out of those games would be on the road as opposed to that's what I'm looking at. That's what I just mean. Like when I look at the schedules, like, man, it just seems like it's, it's, it's been, it's a little softer compared to what we've kind of been used to the past couple of seasons. Like I look at, I look at, uh, even when you look at December, obviously Miami, you know, no disrespect, can't disrespect them defending Eastern conference champions, but obviously how much better are they going to be? They did lose some rotation guys and, We'll see what who, what other undrafted guys they make into stars now, but they're unless they get Dame, unless a Dame trade happens, I don't see them as a team at least in the regular season. That's like this juggernaut tough to beat. Obviously, the Nuggets are gonna be tough. The Bucks are gonna be tough. The Sixers have a lot of drama going on right now. You know, they're that's a team where they'll be playing in December. Obviously, the no, let's just say the Sixers have always played the Bulls tough, with, especially with Embiid uh, in the lineup. Uh, but like I said, it, it, being at home and not to, again, downplay that t- the toughness of December just feels like because of those home games, it doesn't feel as brutal as it would in years past. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, Celine. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, but even being at home, you know, they went 22 and, and 19 at home last season and 18 and 23 on the road. So it wasn't like a major difference. Um, it, it's good that they are at home. I give you that. But um, like it just that stretch, man, even even, you know, you got New Orleans in there. Uh, like you said, Denver, they got to play the Lakers, Cleveland, um, Atlanta. Indiana, the Sixers, as a part of a, I believe it's, it's a six-game homestand to end the year. So it, it's cool that they're going to be able to play these teams in front of the United Center faithful, but, um, you know, these teams aren't any slouches, you know, and I think there's some pretty decent expectations for what the Indiana Pacers can be this year. Obviously, there's a lot of buzz around the Spurs with um, Wemby, so I just, you know, I need to see this team, and I'm sure we'll get into this, and I'm sure you guys will echo these same sentiments, but I just need to see this team play with more consistency and just more oomph. You know, I think a lot of times last season, specifically before Patrick Beverly joined the team, this team just didn't have a certain, like, bounce about it night in and night out. And I know that Blowouts are going to happen. They're going to be bad quarters for every team in the association. But this team just didn't seem to to have it enough on a night in and night out basis. So I'm not necessarily 
looking at them being at home as being a, a huge advantage for them. And I know you aren't either, Salim. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, it just, they got work to do. They got work to do. For sure. Yeah, and, I, and I'm definitely with, with Drew on this because we talked about this on our podcast. Like, I'm, I'm in the, uh, the state of Missouri mode. Show me. Like, I, I have to see, you know, what you can do when you, um, you know, get these opponents on the ropes. Because I, I feel like, you know, even with teams that were, were downtrodden last year, like, they, you know, would find ways sometimes to make some of those games tougher than they needed to be and in some cases lose. Um, so, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of withdrew on this. Like, I, I have to see more from the Bulls. And, and that's why, you know, again, like, if – that's why, to me, the trade deadline is probably one of the most fascinating parts of the season next year because I think it's really going to tell us like how they get through, you know, that first part of the the schedule, and especially when we get to those tougher opponents, like if they're able to weather the storm or play above, then I think it's going to dictate what kind of moves are made. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with Drew. I gotta. I got to see more, even though I'm feeling better about some of the things that the Bulls have done in a vacuum. And, you know, you make a great point, Salim, that there's kind of, you know, some issues happening with some of the teams in the Eastern Conference right now. Like, I still think that those teams are are markedly better than the Bulls. So I think until proven wrong, then, you know, I'm just kind of in a we'll see state. I think if I think if this team is going to have any chance to do anything this season, they're going to have to run it up at home. Because if you look at the road record the last two seasons, it's basically identical. It's like, what, 19 to 22, 18 to 23. So on the road, they're pretty much a mediocre team. Could it get better? Probably. But let's just say that the Bulls are still a mediocre team on the road next season. Nothing special at all. In last season, or in 21-22, they were 27-14 at home. So... We need we need something like that if they're going to have a chance. And I'm looking at the first 15 games. Ten of those games are at home. They even have two back-to-backs against the same team at home with Orlando and Miami. So Orlando, winnable games. But again, we don't know how the Bulls respond because they're up and down against whoever. And Miami, even though Miami went to the uh, finals last year, we know they're really not the same team in the regular season and they, they kind of like ebb and flow. So we don't know if they're going to be already in the form that they were in the finals early in the season. So I look at like the first 10 games that they have at home. And to me, they're mostly all winnable. Like, I think the only game that I would look at and be like, uh, is that Phoenix game. And really that could even go either way because Phoenix has a bunch of new pieces. They have a lot of talent, but a bunch of new pieces. So I think if the Bulls are going to have any chance at this, they really, like you guys were saying, they have to get up to a really hot start, but they have to take advantage of getting all of these home games so early in the season. You get 10 of your first 15 games at home in the beginning of the season. There is no better script to get a hot start than that at all. So if they don't do well with that, then, Kind of tells me everything I need to know. Yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, like I said, that's why I look at the home stuff, and it's like you, you to Ed's point, you had to take advantage of these home games, especially when you're starting at, at home early in the season, where 
you know, maybe not not to say you sneak up on teams, but you know, teams aren't like in midseason form yet. They're also trying to figure out their roster construction chemistry wise. So, and when you have those, you know, early home games, um, you play playing in front of your home crowd. Those are stuff that, yeah, you have to you know capitalize on for sure. Yeah, a hundred percent on that. And we have the advantage of like. You know, we joke about it, but we have continuity. Like we, our players have been playing yeah. together for a few seasons now. So, if they're at home, they should be able to come out guns blazing against these teams. Like, really, no excuses at this point. Like, I don't know. Like to me, if you have a team that is, I guess we all expect the Bulls to be like, at best, maybe a little over five hundred this season, or maybe they're repeat the same type of record. If they're gonna have any sort of like increased ceiling for the season it really has to start at home they have to run it up on teams they have to do they have to do something special at home this season because they really have not shown any indication that they're going to do that same thing on the road so if they're losing these games at home i don't know what to say at that point like i, I think it's kind of a dub at that point i don't know <laughs> you know what's kind of fascinating and maybe it's just because i'm looking at it through a prism with the Bulls, but how many teams on their schedule can you look at and say confidently that the Bulls will win the season series? Like I've, I've gotten as far as the Charlotte Hornets so far. Um, and I'm just thinking like, is there another team that you can kind of pencil them in to win the, the season or take the season series from, um, oh, the Raptors, the Pistons. Just start like just looking at the schedule to start. Um, potentially the Jazz depends. I, mean, I think you did take the season season from last season. Uh, the Nets, Spurs, um, oh. Spurs, obviously for sure. Uh, maybe the Magic, but the Magic play them tough, and I think Ooh. the Magic are one of those teams that are gonna I- be. Uh, that, on the rise, so I think they're pro- the Magic are probably a, at least a playing team to me. I say Washington. So that that's going to be tough. I say Washington too. Yeah, Washington. Um, Pelicans, like I said, like uh, they don't play the Pelicans. Pelicans till I think what uh, the New Year, but the Pelicans have been kind of or sorry, not December. Sorry, the start of December they play they play the Pelicans. Uh, the Pelicans have been one of those teams that have been injury riddled. So, um. I guess we'll see how healthy their two number ones are. Uh, yeah. So, like the the it's interesting the the Pelicans were the team that first came into my mind for that reason, and then like I, I want to say like the Pistons, yes. I I don't know, man. Orlando scares the shit out of me this year. <laughs> like that's one team like that back to back. Uh, games at home I don't know like that's I think going to be an interesting takeaway to see what happens in those two games because you know if you're in a position like the Bulls are like to your point Edward like Mm. those are games you want to you know fatten up on but yeah I could see the Bulls dicking around and losing both of those you know based on based on their track record in years past. So yeah, those games those games are easy calories, man. Those are potato chips. If if you're if you're seeing worth if you're seeing worth a damn, those those games are that's potato chips right there. Like, look, we can eat that all day. Like, but hmm. the Bulls are not really in a position where they can where 
like the patterns have just been up and down. Like, okay, we beat the good teams one year and we, you know, we lose to the bad teams. We beat the bad teams one year and then we lose to the good teams. And I, I guess that's normal for a team that's in our state, average, mediocre, whatever you want to say. But if, if there's any route to the Bulls just being something a little different, you have to take care of these Orlandos. You have to win these these Tuesday night games against the Hornets. Like, you have to win these, like, Thursday night games against Utah. Like, you have to win those games. Like, if you're not winning those, then it's just, like, it's, it's done. Like, it's just kind of a wrap, right? Do <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, so who – I mean, the question then becomes, like, are we talking about the schedule and and we talk about taking care of these games, like, the the you had that fourteen and nine stretch and that fourteen and nine stretch everyone keeps talking about it because the the front office keeps bringing it up and how the Bulls finished fourteen and nine. Mm-hmm. But who is the Pat Bev on this roster that's loud and getting in everyone's yeah. face and getting everyone ready to play on the roster? Like people say that should be billion. Yeah, the coach is responsible for getting the team ready, but like he can't go on the court and make you be ready. Like who's the player that is like just enough and just has the dog and just can come and yell like a Joakim Noah did, uh, or even like a Luol Deng who was that the leader on the court. Like who is that gonna be? Is, is Zach gonna finally step up and 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 not be, you know, just lead by example, just be actually vocal like that? I, I don't know if he's been that guy. Can Demar be a little more vocal? Is so, someone else going to step up to do that? Before you ask that question, I was about to just ask you the same thing. Like, who is going to take that role? Because right now, I think that's the real question. It's not really like what's on the schedule. It's it's who's going to kind of get these this group motivated to do it, right? Like, I don't know who that is on the roster right now. Like, again, I love the additions in a vacuum. And Drew and I talked about it about a month ago when we we did our last episode that in a vacuum we really like a lot of these moves and on paper it seems to fit but you know who's going to be the the guy that you know is the straw that stirs the drink right like that's who bonzo ball was you know maybe not like overly vocal but definitely did something to kind of get everybody on the same page at least on the court and you know when pat bev came in at the end of last year you saw that you know he definitely got that team in a, in a position it need to be in to make a run, but I don't know who that is quite yet. And I think it's somebody does need to, to take the mantle and you're kind of hoping it's one of your big three ends up taking that mantle. Like, I think that's who it has to be. You know, I, ideally you'd love to see Zach take the mantle for that this year and be that guy to try to get these guys on the same page. Yeah. I, I think you would, in a perfect world, have one of your top three players be a, also a vocal leader, kind of an emotional leader. But I just, because those guys have been in the league for such a long time, Zach is going into what his 10th year. Um, DeMar is 34. Vooch is what, 33. I, I think they kind of are who they are as um, as leaders, they they all kind of seem to be more of a lead by example type. I know Demar behind the sea behind the scenes is very good with his teammates, especially the younger guys. Um, but I just don't see them kind of changing their stripes this season. I will say somebody who has shown 
uh, a more willingness to kind of corral his teammates is Kobe White. Um, even in terms of defensive coverages, kind of calling guys out, um, letting them know where they should be, this, that, and the third. Like, I think there's an opportunity for him to grow more in that role. Um, even Tory Craig, I know in a piece that um, Casey Johnson wrote for NBC Sports Chicago, he talked about what he saw from an opposing viewpoint going against the Bulls the last, you know, few seasons. And he seems to be pretty excited about being being able to bring a little bit more toughness, some edge, um, some competitiveness. Again, that may not be in the realm of, of being a more vocal leader, but maybe just another guy who um, can can kind of just galvanize his teammates in one way or another. But, you know, to you guys' point, and that's, that's why it was a great question for you to ask Salim and for you to even think of asking Matt, I just don't know that they have that vocal guy like a Pat Bev um, to kind of keep this team all pulling in the same direction. You know, I I would hope that it's – I would hope that it's DeMar, honestly. Like, I, I think he is the most battle-tested veteran that we have, all things considered. So I, I would hope that it's him. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at the guys who have been to the playoffs and who have been in the most battles and who understand the urgency of the situation. So I'm looking at DeMar, I'm looking at Javon Carter, who's coming from a really good team. I'm looking at Torrey Craig, who's come from some really good teams. Like Torrey Craig has, um, like has, has been in what, 70 playoff games. Like I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at DeMar who's been in 65 playoff games. I'm looking at. Javon Carter coming off a really good team. Like I'm looking at that type of leadership from guys who've been there. So um, if it's a young player, cool, but I want to see it from the guys who, who know this. Like I want to see it from the guys who've been there before, who understand the, uh, who understand the moment and can really prepare this team to, to go, to go on the road and have those, those, those big games to, to be at home and understand they have to protect home court. Like, I'm looking at those guys, so like it, it's not a guarantee, but that's what I'd be looking at. Like it, it's got to be something like that because otherwise, you know, what what's all those playoff games if they don't carry over a little bit to a regular season in some sort of value, you know? Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, let Let's wrap up the schedule conversation on this. So. Look, you guys, I'm sure I've looked at the schedule and you had your thoughts on on the teams that we're going to play or not that the teams, it's always the same teams, but just kind of how the flow, how the schedule flows and stuff. But what are two, like pick, pick two teams, like one team that you're most looking forward to face this season and one one team that you're least looking forward to face this season for whatever reason it may be. Uh, Drew, I'll go with you first. Oh, hmm. Um, that's a good question, man. I think I'm looking forward to seeing how they do against the Pacers, believe it or not. Uh, Damn it, Drew. Don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the additions that the that team has made over the course of the last couple of seasons um, have seemed to do them well, and I think they will continue to do such. And 
you know, them being in the, in the central division along with the Bulls adds a little more spice to that to that matchup. Um, Halliburton hitting that game winner last season also adds a little more uh, spice to the matchup. But just just seeing how those two teams fare against each other, uh, I think that's something I've kind of got my eye on. A team that I'm not looking forward to seeing them play. Mm. Even though they beat them one time last season, maybe it's just Denver. Just the way that uh, Jokic carved them up last season at the United Center. It was just like he was just out there playing against a bunch of middle school kids, man. So I guess that would be the team I'd pick for that. Just the way they they run their offense. They're just such a well-oiled machine, and they do a, a really good job of exposing their opponent's flaws. Um, so maybe maybe the Nuggets? Maybe the Nuggets? Matt, how about yourself? Yeah. So, all right. The Pacers were my answer for what I wanted to, to see this year because I'm just curious where that team's progressing. But um, I'll, I'll change it up. I a team I would like to see or, you know, on the schedule this year I'm looking forward to seeing is Miami. Damn it. I think there's a kind of a cool storyline, like a <sighs> uh, a revenge plot maybe. Um, you know, you kind of look at how everything shook out last year. The Bulls did really well against them in the regular season. But then, you know, you had that so close to knocking them out of the play-in. And, you know, Miami ends up getting through that and advancing all the way to the finals. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how the Bulls stack up again this year. Um, I think the team that I'm least looking forward to, and I kind of hinted to it earlier, um, the Orlando Magic. I, I don't know what it is, but I feel <laughs> like they just seem to have the Bulls number. There's so much of like a weird kind of subplot with, with the Magic given the boot trade. So, um, and they seem like a team that's on the, the up. So I think that's a, a team that I'm I'm not really looking forward to to watching games against this year. Yeah, you uh you definitely took mine um with Miami. Uh I'll go a different route with it because I was gonna mention that um I think it's funny that the only team that we play on the schedule that the only team that we see on the schedule in back to back back to backs or not back to back back to back, but in two back-to-backs is Miami. I think that's kind of like a funny schedule, King. But yeah, both of our all of our games against Miami are home and home. So um, the one in December, or yeah, the one in November is in Chicago. The one in uh, December is Miami. Pretty funny, like schedule, King. So um, kind of like kind of simulates a little bit of a playoff type of feel with with those uh, games. So it'll be interesting. Plus, if if Dame is on Miami, makes the games even better. So. I'm looking forward just to seeing that. Um, the least one, ooh man, I just want to pick a bad team because I just want to see how the pools are going to react and how they're going to just show up. So, um, I think uh, I, I I don't know if Orlando counts as bad, but I, I would say Orlando or Charlotte. Honestly, like I, I just want to see how they're going to show up for these games against the teams that they don't have any juice to show up for at all so how are you going to react in those games and also i'm a little biased because i might be at one of those charlotte games again because i like torture so um 
But yeah, I'll say that. <laughs> Hopefully this time you won't be sitting there and uh, wondering. Oh my gosh! Why this bum Charlotte team oh my is getting gosh. Look, you know kicking the shit out of the Bulls. Look, if I ever <laughs> if I ever see the Bulls lose to a team who lets the fans announce the starting lineups, I am never buying another ticket again. Like that is just so disrespectful that you don't show up to these type of games. But yeah, it, it's. I, I pray that the game I go to this time for the Hornets is a better uh, showing than whatever crap they trotted out last time. But yeah, th- those are the games you want to see them show up for. Like it, it, it has no juice. There's no inspiration to get up to the, for the Hornets. There's no inspiration to get up for uh, like uh, like the Wizards or something. Like those are the games I want to see now because that'll tell us a lot. So here's so I have two. Um, I did mention one of them, um, but I'll, I'll give my reasoning for it. Why? Uh, but the, the one I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, and, and selfishly, they're kind of my team out west, is OKC. Uh, like, I'd be interested to see how they go against that young team like that. And I'm actually think OKC is going to be a top five team in the west this season. Mm. Um, I look at that roster. Uh, the last season, you know, they made they made a lot of waves and, you know, they were in that play in till, till the end. Um, but I think the, the internal development that they'll have this off season is going to be pretty nice. Like obviously SGA is a top 15 guy in this league. You know, you look at how great of a player he's become. Uh, you look at them having a uh, Chet Holgram and obviously it's going to be his technically his rookie season, but I'm really intrigued by the dynamic he adds because of the skill set he has as a big and this, you know, the type of skills that he does provide. And he looked pretty nice in summer league, you know, in summer league, in summer league. But like you saw some nice flashes of the things that he could provide. Uh, another improve, uh, development, more development from a guy like Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams. You know, a lot of these uh, guys that they have on their roster, like I said, the internal development, more chemistry that they get to know, learn to play, learn how to learn how to play in this league. As a group, I think it's going to be a really fun year out in OKC, um, and I'm just interested to see how the Bulls, you know, face them and 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 go against that, a young team like that's hungry to kind of just go out there and just start kicking some, uh, you know, kicking some butt. The team that I'm not looking forward to is the biggest reason, not only because they're bad, but it's just because the, whenever the Bulls play them, it's always junk basketball, and it's the Wizards, and it doesn't matter who's <laughs> on the court. <laughs> It doesn't. It, it could be like the entire G League Wizards roster. The Bulls will still manage to have the game gummed down to one possession, but it won't be because it was an exciting game. It's because both teams are just playing stupid junk basketball, and it just like one. <laughs> neither team wanted to win, but you know someone had to win. So we're down to this last possession, and Demar hits a game winner, or. You know, Bradley Beal gets the game winner or something goofy happens where, like, it just sh- crappy basketball to finish a game. Like, the Wizards, I just – I can't – I can't like, I just like, – I wish they were a West team so we would have to see them two times less in a season. Like, I, I can't – I hate playing the Wizards. It's, it's just always such an ugly, ugly game when we play them. Let me, let me ask you this. Which one – which game do you hate more – uh, any game against the Wizards or the Bulls going to Mile High against Denver? <laughs> I'd rather go to Mile High against Denver. At least yeah. Denver is a good <laughs> basketball team, and I can like be like, man, 
like envious of of the of the yeah. great flowing offense, watching Jokic, you know, dominate. I can't get mad at like I like I mean I can get mad because the Bulls are losing, but at the same time I can appreciate good basketball. Yeah. Like I, I I just hate watching that ugly basketball. And even when they win, it's like, man, I'm glad they won, but what a fucking garbage fest that was. <laughs> like you're just watching like the shittiest of shitty basketball to finish the game. You feel dirty that they even got a win because it just it's so bad. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. Right. Like, yeah, with Denver, at least you're watching greatness. Yeah, yeah. No, I I only meant it like in the just like the historical sense of like anytime we go to like Denver, it's just like it doesn't matter like how bad or good they are. It's just like, oh, that's we're true. in mile high and we just we get our ass kicked and that's that's that. That's fair. <laughs> Wait, no, you, 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 <laughs> one, one more team to my my opponent that I'm looking forward to the Bulls facing. Yeah. yeah. So the Bulls played. 10 teams four times last season. The Cavs were the only ones to sweep the season series. So I'm looking forward to them playing the Cavs this season and beating Donovan Mitchell in a Cavs uniform uh, finally at some point. We'll see. And his fraudulent 70 that he had. (laughs) Asterisk. Because he was allowed to cheat and, uh, you know, had that restricted – Cross the restricted line to get the put back. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of the games that the refs stole from the Bulls. <laughs> Wasn't there just yeah, like a well, good like two or three weeks str- uh, stretch where the Bulls are just getting like really just terrible calls, just like almost like yeah, regular. Like, yeah. <laughs> you think so about was those, that game? Those last two minute reports kept coming out, and we're like, yeah. this, you might as well just keep that. You know, <laughs> You know, it's crazy. If you go back and, and look at some of those games against the Cavs last year, they actually had some really tough games against the Cavs. Like, some mm-hmm. of those came down to the wire. I think one of the, they played them on New Year's Eve, too, and I think DeMar had the ball in his hands with, like... Well, he got fouled. Right. And he that was fouled at the last end. They didn't call it, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, maybe they're due this year at least to, to like, catch them once. A, a little regression from the Cavaliers a little bit, a little. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Exactly. Like, they're, they're interesting. Like, you feel like you could see them progress because just because, like, Garland and and Mobley, like, young, talent, talented players that, like, have mm-hmm. bright futures in this league. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, you, like, Max Struess was great in Miami – like, is he going to continue to be this guy in, in a different, you know, with a different team? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously not in the same, you know, heat culture or the same, like, a dynamic that Miami has. Is he going to continue doing that? And then they also added um, another shooter. Uh, what, what was the name? Yeah, Yang, who's, like, he probably end up, he, he, he was probably, I mean, he's a Bulls killer, but, like, <laughs> He's generally an end of bench guy in, with Philly. He he wasn't like you know a mainstay in their rotation necessarily, but like I said, you know it, it's Cleveland is an intriguing team. They they definitely have a lot of talent, and they, they definitely have a team like a, a potential to be like a contender. Mm-hmm. But you you just wonder like what which direction they could go for sure. Yeah, like are they? Are, are, is there room for them to be more than a 51 win team in the east I, I guess theoretically there is but it's also like eh, i could see it being just like a little little less too actually i'm going to throw a question out to the group if i can um go for it is there 
an Eastern Conference playoff team that you think is due for a massive regression this year? It's got to be I mean, the Nets. Be it. Who? The Nets. Yeah, I mean, that's an obvious. I mean, they, they're eliminating the Nets from it. Ooh, a massive regression. You know what? I, I guess it, it depends on how you define massive, but I'm I'm a little worried. Worry is not the right word. With the, the Celtics, like they they're taking they're rolling the dice on yeah Porzingis, and you know it just came out. What was that a week ago? Um, that he's having to deal with plantar fasciitis, and you know that you lose two guys who are very much a part of the fabric of your team in terms of Marcus Smart. Um, and Grant Williams, and you replace him obviously with somebody who is a much more offensive-minded player and could complement um, Brown and, and Tatum. But I just I wonder if there's a little bit of a a step back. I don't know if it's a massive step back, but I just want to see how that move plays out. Like they they've been knocking on the doorstep of the finals damn near every year. Of course, they got there a couple of years ago, but for them to kind of shake things up in, in what I would call the drastic fashion, like I just wonder if that move kind of blows up in their face a little bit. I, I agree with you. I, Boston, Philly is, depending on what happens with him or Embiid and Harden, I, I don't know, but if not, I, I would say Boston for sure because I think Marcus Smart is such an impactful player to their team. He's basically kind of kind of like their Draymond in a sense where he, he just does so many things and has such a big impact on defense, can guard like any perimeter position, can can knock threes down, like the leadership, uh, like he, he just has like that mentality. Like he gives he gives Boston that edge, I think. Like he is Boston's edge. And you trade that a big part of your identity and you get Chris out Sporzingis, who is just like the complete like opposite of smart, not a bad basketball player, but just the complete opposite. And yeah, like Drew said, I, I could really see that blowing up because I, I, I don't think bought like, you know, Derek white is good, but I, I don't think, I don't think Boston has another Marcus smart on their team. I don't think they have that guy and it, it could definitely cause them to regress a little bit and to be, not as tough or scary of a team. I think so. I'll say this: uh, Boston. I liked the trade when it happened, but it was very big caveat if Przingis can stay healthy. Um, and that's always a big F if he can't stay healthy, because I felt like they're they have enough backcourt depth that they could kind of um, do enough to overcome Smart. The trading smart, and then they also added a few picks, and they have Brogdon's expiring contract. And I felt like okay, maybe then they could also address more backward needs if they needed to during the season. Um, but like I said, Porzingis being a very important key factor because if he stays healthy, you he had you have that another smart half court decision maker. He's a really good connective passer, uh, so maybe you get. Jalen the ball out of Jalen Brown's hand more and have him kind of you know be more of a cutter and play off ball a little bit more. Um, because we see the issues he has with as an on ball guy. Um, obviously, Jason Tatum's good with the on on ball 
Um, and then obviously the shooting aspect, he stretches the floor for obviously Tatum and, and Brown. He's a really good rim protector. Um, so like health wise, if he's health, if he's healthy, I think all those things I just said, like he does make that team like better. But again, you, you know, Drew mentions, you know, he has the planners. Um, and in general, the health, uh, he's not, I think the, the most he's ever played is like 65 games in a season. Um, and that was like one season. The other season has been like much less than that. So yeah, the health issue is a big factor for sure. And then kind of like, you know, look at the East, like there's not a team that really scares you. Like the Bucks, obviously you think of that because of Giannis, but at the same time, like I felt like there was not enough conversation about how old they look in the playoffs last season. Like you talk about like, yeah, Giannis got hurt, but I think that overshadowed like how the rest of the roster just kind of did not, was not able to be, you know, a, a championship caliber performance out there. And I think that was because of the aging factor. Um, I mean, they added a, you know, a, on the cheap, they got Malik Beasley. Uh, who who more likely will start from them is kind of like a proven con- year contract to try to see if he can cash in next offseason. Um, so that should be a big upgrade for them in the start lineup. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how Drew keeps looking. Um, we'll see how, how Brooke Lopez, you know, he's not getting younger. Chris Milton, he's really good. But is he, isn't he going to be, isn't he 30 plus now? I can't, I can't remember. You know, like he's been in the league for a long ass time. So, I feel like he's thirty plus years old. I think um, so. I think so. Yeah. Course, so I mean that. Yeah, he, yeah, he just turned thirty-two. Yeah. So I mean, the age factor for me will be interesting with the Bucks. Um, I mean, they're still going to be really good, no doubt about that. You got Giannis. You're going to be a team that's in that top three. Um, and then obviously Philly, the the drama that's going on there. We'll see what they end up getting for Harden. Or when he gets traded, and how how toxic he toxic he's gonna be, try to become. Uh, let's see how Embiid handles everything. Will he ask for a trade? Um, obviously, that's not happened yet, or there's not really a conversation about it yet. But like, what if he could? Like to me, like I look at the East, and it's like, yeah, I think some of these teams will take a could take a step back, but also in general. Like the East again is just seems like the Eastern Conference, and it's just not any team that you're like terrified of facing. And I, I shouldn't, I should, I shouldn't like talk shit because like we're the Bulls, and the Bulls <laughs> have been a very mid team. But like you're not, you're not really looking at the East at the, as this like, like Mount Everest to climb. Like not like the West where you have these teams that are you know gonna get better. Like Mavericks got a lot better. Obviously, Denver, the reigning champions. I mean, they got a little worse because they lost uh, uh, Brown. But, like, you know, you still got Murray. You still got, you know, the king of, you know, the of the, the best player in the world right now, Jokic, um, the Joker. Uh, so, I mean, obviously other teams, like I mentioned, the OKC and stuff like that, they're going to get better. Uh, Kings will obviously continue to get better. But, yeah, the West just seems like still that juggernaut. The East still seems like, you know, any team could take advantage of that conference. Yeah. yeah you, you wanted to see your point about the Bucks. Like, if they come out of the, the gate slower than usual, just with Giannis having undergone a little cleanup surgery and them um, kind of getting that filling out process with their new coach with, with Adrian, Adrian Griffith, That could be something else that could 
kind of helped the Bulls, you know, get off to a, a nice start within the conference just in terms of um, their, their place within the conference in the first, you know, month, two months of the season. While some of these other teams who have made bigger changes, the Bucks, the Celtics, you know, potentially the Heat, the Sixers, while they're trying to acclimate to different teammates, different maybe systems, the Bulls, <laughs> knock on wood, can fall back on some of this continuity they've been trying to build the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Well, and this this kind of speaks to the point that everybody I think was making earlier. And I, I'm sorry, Slim, I know you wanted to wrap up the schedule talk, but oh no, you're fine. Um, but that that's the thing. If you get off to this hot start, you know, in November, if you do feast on these teams, and then you know, you can maybe catch lightning in a bottle in that December grind and, you know, catch these teams that could be in a, a bit of a struggle, like you were saying, Salim. You know, maybe maybe it kind of then flips the the narrative a little bit. Like, you kind of got me thinking if, you know, there's drama kind of happening with these other teams. I mean, everybody knows if, if you're a rebuildable listener and you've been listening for years, you know I, I always think of big picture scenarios. Like, I wonder like does does the narrative flip to the bulls like kind of being in the i don't i don't want to use a hawk harrelson term but in the catbird seat a little bit mm. where you start to become a little bit more desirable given that you know these other teams might be falling back a little bit i mean now i'm getting maybe too optimistic but. <laughs> i mean <laughs> i think Salim is right that you look at the eastern conference and there's really not a juggernaut and it's theoretically pot like we were just talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's theoretically possible for one of these teams that were kind of in that uh that four through six range, you know, excluding Miami, of course, who was, you know, playing, but you know, looking at those teams all four through six range, looking at Cleveland, looking at even the Knicks that could potentially jump up a little bit. Like I, I don't know about Brooklyn, but you know, looking at Cleveland and the Knicks who could be better than we think even Miami will of course be better than their record or should be but um yeah you're, you're just looking at those teams and it's definitely possible like Milwaukee is kind of near the end of their window I think with this type of group like a lot of players that are in their kind of like 30s of course Giannis is still you know elite so he can hold that up for as long as he can but they're they're nearing their window and Boston as we just talked about just made a significant trade that affects their identity. So, you know, the, the, so Giannis to Chicago. <laughs> That's what you're saying. Got it. Hey, there, there's going to be stars that, you know, that are going to ask out. Like, you know, we, we may see, we may see Harden and Dame on the move very soon. And there's who knows what happens with Embiid one day. Like, and even if you look at Minnesota, like, what about Carl Anthony Towns? Like, there's, there's still, there's definitely room for a lot of big time names to demand out in the next year or so. I mean, like, we'll, like, we'll see. I mean, I think everyone's assuming Dame is going to end up in Miami, and that'll definitely change the East as far as like a team that you have to worry about for sure. Like, this team that's problem, like, that's going to be like the team to beat. Um, and, and you know, obviously they'll take some time as chemistry and stuff to figure out, but you figure a team, uh, a, a trio of Dame, Jimmy, and Bam is going to be pretty much the team to team that is going to be tough to knock out in the East and in general to knock out. Um, but like, 
yeah, I just look at the East and I'm like, right now, it's like, again, once again, the East is going to be this this wide open point. And, and I know not to keep talking about this, but Matt was talking about, oh, I'm interested in what happens at the trade deadline, but the Bulls could wind up again. Well, we're only... We're only a half a game out of the plane, so we're not trading. We're not blowing this up. <laughs> we're just gonna keep. We're just gonna keep trying to do this because all these teams in the East look absolutely fugazi, and we're gonna try to make the playoffs because that's what. Uh, that's what we're you know the 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 schedule is played out as. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of talk about in general with. with the improvements of the team and where this team is at and what the the future looks like. And there was a lot of conversations at Bulls Fest uh, being with uh, one GM, Mark Eversley, a lot of, he made the rounds with, with sports <laughs> media, like he, with Daniel Mayberry. Um, I know with our guys that up in uh, CHO, uh, Will, Matt and Davey had to sit down with them. Um, I feel like he had to sit down with KC and on the Bulls talk podcast. So, you know, you made the rounds, a lot of quotes going around. Uh, we'll start off with obviously Matt and, and Drew. Matt, I'll let you go first. But what were your thoughts, you know, looking at a lot of things that he said um, with various topics that, you know, the the Bulls media uh, people asked him about? I mean, yeah, he. I mean, he definitely, I was going to say, went all over the place. Um <laughs> You know, uh, I think for me, one of the the big takeaways, at least that, I mean, I was kind of intrigued by, I know when, in his um, interview on Bulls Talk with KC, um, he had some interesting things to say. Like he was really, really kind of gave you the behind the peak or the, the behind the curtain view of like what they thought of Vooch and the, the contract negotiations behind that, which I thought was really interesting. Um, like they were it was it was clear like they were kind of i think saying what we were all saying on on our podcasts like you know if you let him go what are the the options available to you after that and mm-hmm. i think basically uh it was interesting just to hear you know him double down on that too so i think that was one of my big takeaways um it was also kind of interesting to hear um i know in that same interview with Casey um talking about Kobe White, and he kind of addressed something that you were talking about, Salim, um, about his leadership, just about his, um, you know, things that he's kind of done, you know, behind the scenes and, and in the locker room there. So I think those were like at least two of the the bigger ones for me. Um, so, yeah, he's he was definitely like, you know, they definitely made him like the face of the front office for, for this whole weekend, which was kind of interesting. Cause I feel like we always get the AK perspective and you could tell Mark Eversley much more polished in terms of getting on the microphone, answering questions. So it was kind of refreshing to hear, to hear him, you know, as the forward face over the, the whole Bulls Fest event. So I thought that was kind of, kind of interesting too, instead of kind of a robotic AK responses. Yeah. Um, I agree with a few of your points there, but uh, Drew, I'll, I'll let you go uh, first before I give any uh, thoughts on my end. Yeah. So there were a couple of things from his interview with Darnell Mayberry. The, the first 
um, while he spoke highly of Patrick Williams, he also made it a point to say that, you know, he'll get really excited about who Patrick Williams can become once he sees Pat become more assertive, more vocal, um, challenging the norm, uh, and kind of having a bigger voice within the locker room. You know, I, I think that because we don't hear from Mark Eversley very often, to hear him kind of echo some of the same things that Bulls fans, Bulls observers, content creators, and the like have said about Pat was kind of interesting to me. And just the way he put it, you know, the fact that um, he's kind of, uh, how do you say it? He's not getting too, I, I don't want to say drunk off the Kool-Aid, but he's kind of just keeping his his expectations t- um, kind of timid right now until he sees with his eyes what he believes Pat can be, um, which I think a lot of us are still doing. I, I, I like to think that many of us are, are done with kind of pigeonholing Pat into – what he should be because of where he's picked and trying to look more at the player that he's becoming within the system that he's in. You know, I, I think we see the strides that he's making, even if they don't show up um, it like gangbusters within the stat sheet. But I think that he's also got a lot of room to grow. And I think that he can do that this year. Um, I still worry a little bit about a player having to be told time after time after time to be more aggressive, to do these types of things. And not even just, you know, with the ball in his hands, just little things that can help him get off better in terms of cutting, moving out with the ball, screening, um, crashing the boards, if that's something that Billy Donovan is is, is preaching. You know, I don't want to just speak out of turn. You know, maybe he is calling those guys to get back on defense and not, not crash the boys on a regular basis, but just little things to help him um, get off to quicker starts and to also help the team. The second quote that caught my attention, I, I tweeted about this, was his response to the question about how he would define success this upcoming season. And he simply said, winning more games than we did last season. Now, I don't necessarily blame him for kind of just keeping it there and not being even more specific like his partner AK was last season talking about the team, uh, you know, winning the playoff series. But I just, I think that because of how they've addressed their needs this off season and the way that they've spoken about how they, they've addressed their needs this off season, I would have liked a little bit more of a bar to be set for this team um, in terms of what's expected of them. And maybe behind closed doors, that's being done. But I just think that that quote in and of itself, just it hit a little bit hollow. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, Ed, do you want to go next? Yeah, I, I think for me, with Pat, like I, I, I like, I think what he's saying is pretty like logical overall. I do think Drew makes a good point that sometimes it does like kind of seem forced that we have to like, you know, put so much emphasis on Pat being aggressive. But I, I think I like that we've seen these incremental like improvements from him like season by season overall. So the fact that they're really labeling this is kind of like that 
that all important season because it is because he really has to like they they obviously view him as a core part of this and he's going to get a contract from the Bulls at some point uh hopefully before the deadline or wherever it's next in in, a, in the next offseason but like he's a big part of what they're going to do for this team long term and he really is a big part of like that safety net for you know eventually if there's going to be rebuild or whatever like he's going to be a big piece of that so um yeah, it it really is a big year for Pat, and I am hoping to see him kind of like turn that corner in terms of continue to turn that corner in terms of aggression, even having like a voice. And I think we're gonna see more consistency. I think we saw it more even last season. So, um, I have no really worries about Pat, like as opposed to where we were at last year, where it felt like more of a a little bit more like wavering on it. But everything else seemed pretty straightforward overall, from what we heard from Eversley, like. You don't really have that many options to replace Vooch. They got two guys, two good veterans in Craig and uh, Carter who should be uh, jump in and play really well and just easy fits. And hearing all of the things about Kobe White is really encouraging. Like Kobe has really done just like a complete 180 with his stock and how we view him. And like just hearing that he's embracing some sort of leadership level. We know he's improved his defense. Like he's really improving on all of the things that we – we're hoping to see from him overall. So now I'm just hoping to see if he can continue to grow offensively. Like we've talked about really wanting to see if he can become like a really, really good shooter. Like I think he's kind of like more or less kind of like in that streaky range. I want to see if he can really hit like a 40% type of three point shot this season. And I really want to see if he can continue to grow his role off the dribble a little bit. So um, yeah, I love what um, I I think everybody's comments were pretty solid overall. So when I was little, I, I read, uh, I ended up buying a book and, and re- going in and reading the athletic article. I read, I heard a little bit of the stuff from the CHGO pod. Uh, I haven't finished that episode yet. Um, I haven't listened to Bullsock stuff. Um, but like, just on the, as far as him interviewing and talking, like he definitely seems more comfortable and, and more like he, more, uh, personable with interviewing and, and, and talking to the media. Mm-hmm. Like you can see the big difference between AK and, and Mark Eversley. AK is like, he kind of hates it. It's, it feels like a chore for him. <laughs> and like we, we had Darnell Mayberry on um like two months back. Yeah. And you know, Darnell was like, you know, he's definitely, he definitely has a really good personality, but he just hates doing these talking to the media and dressing the media. Yeah. He's like the John just like a tour friend. He's taking like the John right. So, the media. <laughs> right. But I mean, and, and, but Mark Eversley is just a different, more comfortable, mm-hmm. more natural, like cool guy. Like he wants to just, you know, he, he's good at talking to the media and feels more comfortable. And like, you know, you, you heard some of the personal side of him, how his family, they own a place in, in Lakeview. Um, they live out there. He, he, he like he, he put emphasis on like how they are, uh, his two kids, um, his daughter and I think his stepdaughter, uh, both go to public school. You know, they're not they're not in some kind of like private school or whatever. Um, he, and he was just talking about those personal things that he's immersed himself in the community uh, in Chicago and wanted to be, you know, be out there um, as far as within like the community and, you know, going out when he goes out to get coffee. And sometimes people recognize that some people don't. Um, just kind of being part of Chicago as a whole, not just, you know, not just because this is his job. He wants, he wants to be, you know, 
a part of everything that is Chicago. That was cool. Um, I was done with the other stuff you guys said. I coined the same thing about Kobe. <clears throat> really good things. I, I picked up a little bit more on the Kobe side, I feel like. And maybe you guys did too, but I haven't expressed it yet. But I feel like they're really high on Kobe. Yeah. And, and re- not only really high, but more high on Kobe than they are on Pat. And I don't know if Mark is just speaking for himself or as for the organization as a whole. But it just almost feels like he kind of because when they asked him, uh, when Darnell asked him about Lon, the absence of Lonzo Ball, and how you know we can replicate that or whatever, and he you know they talked about Javon uh, Carter, Carter's addition, and you know they said you know we 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 like the addition of Javon Carter, but who we're really looking at as almost like hinted as a replacement for Lonzo is Kobe White. And he talked about Kobe White's. To your guys' point, his leadership improvements, he's been more vocal and what yada, yada, yada. And I feel like, you know, like I said, I feel like they're higher right now, at least, you know, and and, and things could change, like with uh, the answer he gave about Pat, about the vocalness of more aggression and things like that, if Pat starts doing those things. And they talked about how they, you know, they all had a dinner, sit down with them, really good conversation and all that stuff. Um, but... I really feel like they're super high on Kobe White, and I could see Kobe White getting a legit shot at starting this season. I know people are kind of penciling in Javon Carter right now, and I have as well. You know, Javon Carter fits really well with Zach and DeMar, you know, as that floor space of the 3 and D guy um, who wasn't shy to, you know, gun shy about taking the shot and one of the better on-ball, on, on, on-ball not on-ball defenders, but point-of-attack defenders in this league and uh, the pick and roll. Um, but yeah, like Kobe, like the work he's done this offseason, it just seems like it to me, at least, like I said, that they're higher on Kobe White at this point than they are at Patrick Williams. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I Matt, think you can go first. Yeah, I, I, think that's a, I, think that's a fair, <laughs> I think that's a fair point. Like, you know, he, you have to think they're high on him. I mean, they, they paid him. Um, and you, you, it's sometimes hard to read though, front office folk, right? Like executives are, I think after they give somebody a big contract, they're always going to kind of, I think, double down no matter what. So sometimes it's hard to get a read, but I think that's a, a fair point. I think he is going to get a fair shake at that, at that job. And like you, I, I had penciled in Javon Carter to be the starter this year. And, um, you know, Drew can attest to this, and anybody that's that's listened to some of the uh, rebuildable episodes since the signings, like I've been kind of in the camp that Patrick Williams would start at the at the four. That I think it's his job to lose. So it would really be something if you saw both Kobe and Pat crack the starting lineup this year, um, at least to start the season. I think regardless, Kobe White's going to be a key player in this rotation. And if he's not starting games, he's probably going to be finishing games. I think in a lot of scenarios. So, um, you know, it's, it's good to hear, I guess. And and we'll see if, you know, uh, that, that trust is, uh, trickles down to, to Billy Donovan too. Um, it, he actually, you know, does use him wisely and then gives him a, a fair crack at, at the starting job. How about you? Do you do you get that same sense as me, or, or do you think I'm uh, out of my mind and and you're gonna just tell me I'm an idiot? 
<laughs> well, first off, so you, you're never out of your mind, man. I would never call you. We're, we're, we are, we are uh, co-chairs of the Jimmy Butler fan club. And, and as such, yes. we, you know, we ride and die together, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> but no, no, I think, I think that's an awesome observation. Cause in, in that quote, like, he was. He started to answer about Javon Carter. Then he kind of just skipped to Kobe. It almost there was like no bridge to get to Kobe, but he made it a point to bring him up. Um, so I think that's 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 an awesome um, observation by you. And I think it goes also back to what we heard from Keith Smith of Spot Rack earlier this summer, um, where he kind of let out those anonymous quotes and things he was hearing from from summer league, and one of them was. Um, somebody within the Bulls organization, again, speaking highly of Kobe White and talking about how they see him as a potential six-man-of-the-year candidate. So it's funny how we got here, right? Because Kobe White didn't have a statistically great year, but he just performed at such a level where it's like, man, this this guy has arrived or arrived as, as much as he could have given us circumstances and it's, it's really it's, it was fun to watch, and I think that it's, it's one of the more exciting things that Bulls fans have going into this season is the continued development of Kobe White and what becomes of his role with this team, because he made it a point to say at the end of season end of season press conferences that his goal is still to start. He doesn't want to come off the bench. Um, obviously, he's a pro. And he's going to do whatever's asked of him. But his goal is to be a starting point guard. So I definitely think that that competition should be open. Um, and I'm interested to see where that goes. I'm, I'm even more interested to see what Billy's closing lineups look like to, to match point earlier. That's, that's really where uh, my interest lies because Billy seems to have so many different options at his disposal this season. And I think – that's part of the reason why I'll be looking at Billy closer than I have since he's been on the Bulls bench just because this team is just put together in such a way where some of the excuses for the roster building is kind of out of the window at this point, and it should make for a better team. I don't know what that means in terms of record or their position within the standings, but this is a better team you know, at least top eight, top nine, top 10 than it has been the last couple of seasons. Man. No doubt about that. Look, Sleem, I got to tell you, you're tripping, man. I I cannot believe that you would betray Project (laughs) Pat like that and make an observation, putting Kobe White over Patrick Williams. I'm just ashamed of you right now. Like, all of the commitment that we had to Project Pat, I I just can't believe it. But, um, no, I, I, I think... Like, all of it sounds like, uh, it, it just sounds like everything is slowed down for Kobe White. Like, we talked about it during the season, but it just seems like the game has slowed down for him. Like, he, he used to play, I wouldn't say frantic, but like, he was, I think, playing just a little too fast. It, it seemed like his decision making and instincts weren't all there. But last season, we just saw better decision making overall. We talked, mentioned it earlier, but the, the defense, like, he, he seemed more focused defensively, making better plays defensively, making smarter decisions offensively as well. And when you hear all of this stuff about front offices or, or front office uh, people 
um, hyping him up behind the scenes and in like these anonymous sources and things like that. That's fantastic because that shows you that they're seeing seeing it on and off the court. And I think you could argue that the off the court thing is even more impressive. Like again, focusing on the leadership, how he's carrying himself, like how he's approaching practice and different things like that. Like he just seems like a more grounded, potentially more mature player. And the confidence has to be just oozing out right now. And then, you know, it's probably unrelated, but you know, just kind of a fun thing, but he just bought a nice house like a few weeks ago. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, he's enjoying life. Like he just seems, just seems like in his element right now. So I I think things like that, it, it just all adds up right now. Like Kobe is in a really good place. They gave him a contract and it's such a, it's such a, a fun story to talk about because a year ago or maybe not even. Yeah, yeah. About a year ago, like we weren't even sure Kobe would be on this team. Like we were saying, man, they might just trade him for whatever they can get at this point. Or like we're we're not even sure he's going to pan out. So, um, you know, we can talk about whether or not he will he'll ever live up to where we drafted him, whatever, whatever. But I, I'd, I'd say the same thing like we we talk about with Patrick Williams that. I don't think that's as important right now. I think it's just like we can get a good player out of this and a player that's going to contribute to winning. And that's all I'm focused on. Like the cost is kind of sunk or whatever. So, you know, that is what it is. But I think Kobe White is on the right path to being a really solid player. Maybe he has a six man of the year in him. Maybe he has a solid starter career still in him as well at 23. But I like hearing about this stuff of a 23-year-old player becoming more mature, leading more, being more grounded, making better decisions. It all adds up, and we're going to see it this season. I forget he's only 23, going on yeah. 24. Like, there's there's still a lot of prime years left in Kobe White. So, yeah. you know, if, if the switch finally flipped, because you made a great point earlier about, you know, it, the game's slowing down for him. Yeah. Like, I think I said it at some point during the 2022 season that it just felt like sometimes Kobe White was on roller skates. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just sometimes it was always just playing like out of his skis or wild. And, you know, this past year, you just saw it just click finally. Yeah. Um, And even though the, the stats weren't there, just from the eye test alone, you just saw this. He was much more comfortable. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting though. Like you, you keep forgetting him. You know, he was the seventh, one of those seventh overall picks that the Bulls had in a row there. And I, I think the expectation level was really high. But I think by the time it's done, even if he's in a high end role player, like you'd still take that from a a number seven overall pick in an NBA draft. Mm-hmm. That's not a, a you know terrible you know lot if that's what you turned out to be. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely definitely agree with that game's definitely calming down for him which is great to see yeah and and we talk about you know just real quick like we always talk about how you know how all these like former bulls look after they leave the team and whatever whatever so it's good seeing it kind of like potentially you know having the uh the good graces on our side for once where we're not letting a young player potentially on the upswing out the door as he's really starting to like coming to his own like we can actually kind of like reap the rewards of this for once like Kobe is in a good place mentally like he's in a good place on the court and we're just hearing nothing but praises from him so it just shows again like how patient we have to be with these young players like they come into the league at like 
18, 19, whatever, whatever, you have to go through a lot of like, you know, you have to go through a lot of stuff to get to where you're at. It's not always instantaneous for a lot of these players. So, you know, patience pays off sometimes. Yeah, I mean, listen, if we come into the season um, and we and we go through training camp and we get to the game one against OKC and Pat Will and Kobe White have won the starting spots mm. on this team, I mean, I don't want to say cooking with grease, but, like, the Bulls could be – like, we could be a lot more, like, happy with – with how the this team could potentially look and we could be maybe talking about hey this team could maybe be a top five four team in the east yeah it, um if that does happen like because like like i said you know the, i don't i don't think like the conversation about what we're hearing about from pat i don't think he's going to be gifted the four starting four spot like he's going to have to earn it this year they're not going to just pencil him in at the starting four because tory craig you know, he, he has experience starting uh, in this league and playing off, you know, high usage players. So um, I think Pat's going to be tested in training camp. You know, Kobe, I think, not that he'll be tested, but I think Kobe's coming in gunning for that starting spot. So I think he, he's motivated to be that starting uh, point guard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's. That's something that is going to be a key interest uh, to, in, into training camp, and it could definitely be a big positive sign for the for this Bulls uh, organization. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I agree completely. Like, I, I think having you know, we always talk about Pat being like the wild card, but if all of these things about Kobe are true, then yeah, you have another potential wild card here where it can unlock some ceiling, it can unlock some potential, and that's what we've been missing. So. Yeah, this is nothing but great things. Like I'm, I'm excited for Kobe, and I'm, I'm glad that we're in a situation now where we're not like, oh my God, we can't have Kobe White and Zach Levine on the same court together. <laughs> like we're past that, and there, there could be something here. So I'm, I'm excited to see what that is. Well, let's wrap up on this. Uh, kind of a uh, not, not completely left field, but. Just something I thought I had has been kind of quiet on the front, but as as far as Zach Levine is concerned, do you think pretty much a trade talks of Zach Levine are done for now? And maybe if there's any trade talks, it won't be closer to the deadline. Or would, do you think we'll start hearing them again as the season creeps up and training camp creeps up? Uh, Drew, I'll, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think for now. They're 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 done. They're kind of on a hiatus. Um, Joe Cowley of the the Sun Times said as much, you know, a few weeks back. But it's a conversation that I think can definitely rev back up. Um, and I'm I'm interested to see how things with Portland and Miami or Philadelphia and the Los Angeles Clippers how that maybe affects Zach's market and if those teams decide they need a third team to get involved, you know, with, with something makes sense for, for the bulls there. But um, for now, Zach is, is a Chicago bull. And honestly, I'm, I'm good with that, man. You know, I'm, I'm, I like Zach's game. I still think that he can make improvements to his game to be a better player. I wish, you know, in a perfect world that, things would have been set up better for him earlier on, you know, more consistency with the head coaching staff, 
better teammates around him, but unfortunately it just hasn't been that. Um, and it's, it's affected his reputation nationally. And unfortunately he's not going to shed that, you know, empty calories, non-winning basketball player label that he has nationally until something changes um, here. And I just hope that it can happen here to, to some degree. For sure. Um, we'll see how that things turn out with Zach for sure. Uh, Matt, how about you? What are your thoughts on uh, with the Zach Levine trade possibilities? Yeah, I, I'll kind of use a wrestling analogy. Um, you know how like when the I know Salim Ed Drew, did you guys ever watch like old WWF? Yeah, back like, in like yeah, the nineties. Okay, yeah, like the Attitude so, Era and WCW. Yeah. Old, yeah. So like right now. Right now, I think somebody shut the casket on The Undertaker right now. <laughs> but to Drew's point, I think if movement happens with other teams like Dame Willard and, and Heat, and I think then the dominoes start to fall, and then it's kind of like the casket can always open back up and The Undertaker just kind of shoots out. So <laughs> um, I I say yes. Like right now, and honestly, as a Bulls fan, like I, I kind of like it to be dead just given – the way everything turned out this off season with the, the roster construction to me, it, it wouldn't make sense um, to really make any major move with Zach. But um, I do think that yeah, there, there could be a ripple effect from teams that didn't get one of those key pieces or, you know, you end up as a, maybe getting an enticing option, but I, I think it would have to be like a complete blow away offer for anything to actually happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I really anticipate that happening. So um not sure about the chatter. Um so I think you know the, the chatter might be there if the trade market kind of opens up just based off speculation, but um I don't think anything le- legitimate's gonna gonna happen. Now if, if the Bulls stumble out of the gate and we get to the trade deadline, I think it's definitely gonna creep back in more and more yeah i'm about you yeah it's interesting that i i I mean i haven't read reports but i'm assuming zach's name was trotted out with all of like the james harden stuff and maybe there was like some sort of like multi-team deal that, that could have been a part of i don't know but it to me it seems interesting that um you know, his name died down almost around the same time that all of the James Harden stuff died down. So um, I'm I'm going to assume that he was just kind of attached to that. But ultimately, I don't know, like something's got to give here. Like it, there just hasn't really been any sign that any team values Zach Levine in the way that the Bulls want them to in order for a deal to have any sort of progress. So is there ever going to be a team that does? I don't know. But it, it, we, we've talked about it a bunch of times where a lot of the uh, perception about Zach Levine is some a lot of times just kind of unwarranted, a lot of times just very unfair and kind of illogical. And I think it, it just still continues to follow him just like it's almost like permanent. Like it's just one of those things that he's never been able to escape no matter what evidence he puts on like on games to disprove it. So I, I don't know. I, I just have trouble seeing a team 
you know, whatever the Wolves asking price is, I just have trouble seeing the team meeting that. So if anything ever happens to me, I'm going to guess that the Wolves are going to have to lower their price just a little bit to to facilitate it. But if if, if they do that, I, I'd argue that you're probably better off just keeping Zach unless you're really, really trying to rebuild. And I think that's what a team is going to be waiting for. They're going to be waiting for the Bulls to say, all right, we're open for business, we're rebuilding, and that's when the Sharks are going to jump in and get a Zach Levine for, uh, you know, a 25% off discount. Save him, save him for that Giannis trade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's – I don't know. But, you know, it, we'll see what happens. If the Bulls just struggle again this season and we're looking at a, a similar uh, conversation where we're like, man, you know, blow it up or keep going to mediocrity, and then I think Zach is going to be – he'll be available again. and It'll get interesting, so. I mean, and uh, what could help – Zach's case to stay here is if he comes out and kind of cements himself as the number one, as opposed to DeMar still being the number one, like he did post all-star that was hundred percent of Zach mm. team, right? That Zach was the number one and he played like the number one. Um, like he put up really good numbers and the bulls are obviously had a winning record in that time frame. Um, so if, if that's the Zach that shows up and obviously you get Pat and Kobe, starting earning those starting spots hey man i guess maybe the bulls could be cooking with grease a little bit there yeah uh but yeah let, that's pretty that's pretty much a wrap here uh matt drew you know, pleasure for you guys joining us uh please give us uh any shout outs on or not shout outs but any uh where you obviously people can follow you anything that you guys are going to be putting out um, as far as uh, with the Rebuildable, and then obviously Drew with your writing. Yeah, so you can follow the Rebuildable podcast uh, at Rebuild underscore A underscore Bull on Twitter. Um, that's where we'll get all the latest episodes. We should be having uh, a few trickle out soon. We also took a little bit of a, a summer break, just given the you know, dead period in, in the off season. But we're available on all the major platforms where you get your your podcasts um, and you can follow me at mgentil88 on Twitter. So get my thoughts there and probably thoughts on the bears too. So if you're Chicago area based, you'll probably get plenty of thoughts on that as well from my, my personal Twitter and uh, but plenty of bulls as well. Yeah. And you guys can, you know, follow me on, on Twitter or X, whatever you want to acknowledge the name as. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. I forgot it. Twitter. When you, when you're on Twitter, you're tweeting when you're on X, what are you doing? Like, let's come on. You're, 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 you're exhorting, you're exerting. You're... Uh... <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I'm there at, um, look what Drew did. Just looking forward to the season as we get closer. Um, and the season gets going, you can look for, for my work uh, at the big. So, um, yeah, man, just keep your eyes peeled. Appreciate you guys having us on. Always great to talk basketball with you guys. Yeah, no doubt. This was this You're was a, this was great to 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 kick it with you guys again and just like pick up where we left off on rebuildable. Just really great discussion. You guys do such amazing work. Like I, you guys have just been killing it for the last what. Five years. Oh my roughly. gosh. Yeah. Oh, getting old. It's gonna be that. six now. I mean it's old, man. <laughs> you guys are and I'm not brown nosing. Um, 
you guys have always been in my regular rotation. Oh man, I mean, appreciate for a, for a long time, and um, you guys continue to do such amazing work. So it's always great to to be on as well. So thank uh, you. We have do- we have dozens of listeners. Yeah. There's a dozen uh, of them. Out are, are, we, are, are, are we? one of them. Are we now the the Joe? Hey. Are we now the Joe Smith of uh, NBA podcasting for the Bulls? Are we just like the solid, stable veteran and? I think that's what we're coming into. We've been around for a while. We're solid. We're we're stable. We're mature. We we offer you know, locker let, room let leadership. Let all the daily ones do all that that grunt work. You know, let them do it. We're the PJ Brown, the Joe Smith. We're we're that type of. We're the Nazi Muhammad. I think we're we're we become that type of veteran podcast. Community. Just keep putting, but you're putting mil, putting a few mil in the bank every year. Yeah, no, I look, yeah. I, I like it <laughs> for sure. Ed, any final thoughts? Yeah, man. Uh, again, thank thank you to Drew and uh, Matt for uh, dropping by. They do a great job with Rebuildable. We've we've all been on there uh, a bunch of times, and it like it they like Matt always makes you think like you'll he'll he'll send you stuff and you'll like answer it all, but then when you join, like he'll still make you think with all of that, and you're just like, wow, like I honestly never even considered like that path for so he, he really is like very big picture but it's always like great conversation a lot of interesting theoreticals and sometimes like there are even things that happen to be true from all of those conversations so I, I i love it but yeah it's been great talking to them and uh yeah we'll, we'll see we got we're september a few weeks away so yeah again we're starting to get back in that basketball room so um yeah excited to see what happens and hopefully we get some more uh interesting media clippings to to discuss going forward so for sure yeah, yeah. appreciate obviously matt and drew joining us uh so, but that's a wrap for today's show if you missed any previous episodes you can find us under the barroom network on all major and minor podcast platforms thank you again to matt gentile and drew stevens for joining us and to listeners for tuning in and as always for edward Schuler and myself to next time bulls family